Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome Brad to New York. Paul. This is the Devil's State of Mind Podcast, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Now here's your host, Neil Villapiano! Shout out to Seeky for sponsoring the Devil's State of Mind Podcast. I recently became a brand ambassador for them. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. They out a 0-10 to 10 score on each ticket to know if you're getting a good or bad deal. Green means good and red means bad. Plus, my listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase with my promo code Devil State of Mind. Again, my promo code is Devil State of Mind. Click the link in our social medias on our link tree to download the app and remember to use our promo code devil state of mind click the link in my profile slash description of anything that i have i'll have it on all of my links and once again shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing app of the devil state of mind podcast a big shout out to our sponsors at Horns and Tail Napa Valley. Horns and Tail Napa Valley is the official wine club of the New Jersey Devils and a proud sponsor of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, allowing them to bring together two passions, hockey and wine, in an exciting and memorable way. They offer premium, limited production Napa Valley wines. They also have gift options for Devils fans. Their wine club offers a wide range of gift options, including individual bottles, curated gift sets, and exclusive merchandise providing the perfect present for any occasion. Every bottle was created by the team with their winery to honor the history and celebrate the success of the team. Their winery has worked closely with the team to create wines that embody the spirit and achievements of the New Jersey Devils, allowing fans to savor the memories and celebrate their team. Plus, Every purchase helps support the Devil's Youth Foundation. And if you want to get yourself a bottle of this delicious Devil's Wine, you go to Nap to Horns and Tail Napa Valley, use my promo code at checkout Devil State, and you can get 10% off your purchases. So once again, shout out to Horns and Tail Napa Valley for being the official wine sponsor of the New Jersey Devils and the Devil's State of Mind podcast. What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your best friend, your confidant, your number one source, Neil Villapiano. And welcome to a much-anticipated episode of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network as well, the Sports Wire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you are having a fantastic day wherever you are listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. You already know that I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And it has been a little while. Uh, the last time an episode came out was back on June 28th. So yeah, it's well over a week, nearly approaching two weeks since the last time you heard uh, my voice. The last episode we did was an NHL draft preview um, and also free agency preview with Alex Chauvency of the Hockey Writers. And obviously a lot has happened since the last time 
Uh, you heard from me, at least just on the podcast. If you're following us on Twitter at Devil State, also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind, you know that I've been doing as best as I can to keep up to date with everything that is going on in Devil's World. But I am so excited to be back. I was gone for about a week. I went on vacation with my girlfriend, uh, her mom and her mom's friend. We went to uh, Orlando, Florida. We got to go to Disney World twice. We went to Epcot and then we went to Magic Kingdom. It was a lot of fun. My first experience um, as an adult going to Disney and uh, it's a lot of good things um, that that I got to experience there. And so I'm very grateful for it. But I am very much happy and excited to be back home and also happy and excited to be back uh, giving you guys podcast episodes. Also going to be continuing to write articles for Big Apple Hockey, I will have a couple of articles out um, hopefully soon, so you guys can go check those out. And again, got a lot of other things happening in the next couple of weeks and you know, a couple months as we get closer and closer to Devils Hockey. We're 95 days away at the time of this recording. So by the time you guys listen to this on Monday, it'll be 94 days until Devils Hockey is back. But before we jump into everything, this podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network is sponsored, as always, by our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And we have the Midsummer Classic. Yes, the Major League Baseball All-Star Week slash Weekend is officially underway. We have the Home Run Derby. Obviously, we have the All-Star Game as well. Got a couple of major golf tournaments going on. Wimbledon for tennis is going on currently. You know, NBA Summer League as well. With all of that going on and much, much more. You already know DraftKings Sportsbook is your number one destination to get in on all of the huge cash prizes. So if you want to get in on this action, I have a deal for you. You go to DraftKings Sportsbook right now, sign up. Don't forget to use our promo code THPN. Again, promo code THPN. As always, tell them that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you. And again, a big thank you and shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook for being the official sports betting partner of the Hockey Podcast Network. And as always, Devils fans, make sure you bet responsibly. Also, shout out to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing partner of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And if you want to get the best bang for your buck in terms of tickets and seating for all of the big games and concerts out there, you go to SeatGeek right now, you use my promo code Devil's State of Mind, and you can get $20 off your first purchase. Again, Devil's State of Mind at SeatGeek. When you check out, $20 off your first purchase. They they rate tickets on a 1 to 100 scale, also a red, green, and yellow, so you know that you are definitely getting the best offer out there for whatever event you are attending. So shout out again to SeatGeek for being the official ticketing provider of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And last but certainly not least, shout out to Horns and Tail Napa Valley, the official wine club of the New Jersey Devils, also a sponsor of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. And if you want to get the best, and I mean best, tasting wine, and also the perfect wine for you Devils fans out there, when you check out at De- at uh, Horns and Tail Napa Valley, make sure to use my promo code Devil State to get ten dollars ten percent off. Excuse me, uh, your first or your your purchase. You can use it as many times as you want. So if you want to become also a member of the official wine club of the New Jersey Devils, you go to Horns and Tail Napa and you sign up. And as always, tell them that your boy Neil. Piano sent you. So shout out to Horns and Tail Napa Valley for being a sponsor, a wine sponsor of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So now that we've gotten all of that out of the way, we have a lot to talk about. Um, like I said before, it has been quite a long time since the last time you heard from me. And uh, again, I do apologize, but I did go on vacation, wanted to uh, rest and recover and get myself a little bit more energized, but the Devils over the last week and change, certainly very busy, not just obviously, you know, reeling in one of their bigger RFAs, but also bringing back some familiar faces for re-signings. We have a couple trades to 
uh, talk about some interesting minor league signings that I think we definitely have to talk about. Of course, we are going to recap the Devils draft and talk about what guys were drafted and what potential they might have. We're also going to have some rumors to talk about as well. Um, that I think should be mentioned. And lastly, we are going to quickly preview the Devils 2023 Development Camp, which starts on the same day you are listening to this podcast episode on Monday, July 10th. So, you already know, as always, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devils State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So let's get things rolling and drop the puck with obviously the biggest news that we've gotten since the last time you heard my voice. And that is the Devils officially re-signing Timo Meyer. It is going to be Timo time for a long time in the Garden State. So back on June 28th, the wait was finally over. The Devils officially re-signed Timo Meyer to a long-term deal Eight years, $70.4 million with an average annual value of $8.8 million per year. He has a no-move clause in years two through years five and has a 15-team no-trade clause in years six through eight. Now, this is uh, from NJ.com. This is Timo Meyer's salary breakdown for the entirety of his contract. So 2023-24, this upcoming year, he'll be making $12 million. The following year, 2425, 11.1, 25-26, 10.75, 26-27, 7.75, and then in the last four years of his deal, going all the way up to the end of the 2030-2031 season, 7.2 million dollars. So very similar in terms of breakdown per year to Jesper Bratt that in the early years he's going to be making, you know, over uh 10 million dollars, but as the years goes on his AAV will go down, um his cap hit will go down and it'll become, you know, a lot easier, especially with the salary cap going up, knock on wood, over the next couple of years. But I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is this. When you look at the projections that a lot of people were making about what Timo Meyer's next contract would be, especially when you look at what Kevin Weeks had reported saying that the Sharks had at one point offered something like $9.5 million AAV to Timo Meyer on a long-term deal and he declined it. I think a lot of people expected Timo to get a pretty decent amount of money. Even his qualifying offer for this upcoming season, had he signed it, was going to be a lot. It was going to be $10 million, which funny enough, he actually would end up be making less money this year than he uh, would be if he didn't sign that contract, uh, the contract extension. But the fact that Tom Fitzgerald was able to get a Jesper Bratt uh, under what Jack Hughes is making, and then to get Timo Meyer to have less than $9 million per year is nothing short of remarkable, in my opinion. And I think it also tells you the tremendous job that Tommy Fitz has done with building this team, building the culture. You know, he said it so many times. The one quote that stands out, obviously, is he bet on Jersey and he has made the New Jersey Devils a destination place. He has made it a place where people want to come that would be willing to take less money to make it easier for this team to continuously have talent and be good and great. And very competitive and good enough, obviously, to, uh, you know, go out and try to win a Stanley Cup or, you know, at least be in the contention for for many, many years to come. Uh, Timo Meyer becomes the highest paid forward in terms of AAV on the team. Jack Hughes is now second on the team with making $8 million uh, per year. But again, for Timo Meyer to be signed to under $9 million per year is a tremendous job. And Timo Meyer even said it. When you have the opportunity to be on a team that long-term can compete for a Stanley Cup, you're going to take less money. You're going to take less money than maybe what you would have gotten from other teams on the market. And I think when you also look at it, you have to be honest. We have to be honest with ourselves that most of the contending teams out there were not going to be able to pay Timo Meyer what he wanted. Just plain and simple. The Devils were pretty much the, the, the best option for him, and he recognized that. And he wants to be here long-term. And now the Devils were able to do that. And I told you guys that 
you know, I was never really worried about Brett and Timo Meyer not resigning. I knew that it was going to take time. And you know, obviously with Brett, it took a lot longer. It took well over a year to get it finally, you know, cemented. With Timo, you knew it was going to be a grind, but you knew up front um, a couple weeks ago that Timo Meyer wanted to be a devil. He wanted an eight-year deal. So that made it very easy for Tommy Fitz and, you know, former devil and current uh, agent of Timo Meyer, Claude Lemieux, to sit down and really, you know, hammer this deal away. And I guarantee you the salary breakdown was one of the things that took a while to kind of figure out every year, you know, all of that. But all in all, just the fact that we were able to get Timo Meyer signed long-term, get our two big-name RFA signed long-term for very reasonable contracts. Again, it's a job well done by Tom Fitzgerald. He helped solidify the top six for a long time, and it's just another one of those things where it's a relief, it's an excitement, and now we can finally move forward with a, you know adding you know different pieces to this team, not just for the season, but obviously moving forward as we continue to build towards winning that to, that. Uh, that long-awaited Stanley Cup that Devils fans, including myself, have been uh, craving for a long time. So yes, as I mentioned before, it will be Timo time for a long time in New Jersey as Timo Meyer officially re-signs with the New Jersey Devils on a long-term deal. Eight years, $70.4 million again with an average annual value of $8.8 million per year. And uh, I got to say, it is continuing to get more and more exciting here in the Garden State. Now, obviously, once that was established, there were obviously other question marks about some other got other free agents that the Devils had and what they were going to do. Um, the surprise was is that when we got to the point when it came to arbitration and filing and giving out qualifying offers, the only guy that was ended up giving a qualifying offer was Kevin Ball. And currently, Tom Fitzgerald is still working on getting Kevin Ball a new deal. Um, and so we'll see about that. Both Nathan Bastian and Michael McLeod were not given the qualifying offers. And based on what Tom Fitzgerald was saying about how some of these qualifying offers were a little bit higher, Devils wanted to pay, Tom Fitzgerald took a gamble in basically letting these guys go to free agency and then work on more reasonable deals. Well, his gamble paid off as he was able to re-sign Two-thirds of the BMW line as he re-signs both Nathan Bastion and Michael McLeod to deals. For Nate Bastion, it is a two-year, $2.7 million contract. And for Michael McLeod, it is a one-year deal at $1.4 million. So, both of these guys will be here for at least this upcoming season. What's great about Michael McLeod is, and I actually saw this from an Instagram page called Devil's District, uh, make sure you guys go follow Devil's District and all the Devil's fan pages on Instagram. Um, showed a statistic that said that Michael McLeod last season finished with the third highest faceoff winning percentage in the NHL at 60.4%. And I talked about that throughout the season that Michael McLeod became so valuable to this team in terms of winning faceoffs and setting the tone on the penalty kill, even at times on the power play when he was getting when he was given opportunities on that second um power play unit to win faceoffs, And, you know, even, you know, you, you could tell how valuable he was by even just how overtime would start um, the three on three during the regular season. Michael McLeod would start on the faceoff dot. He would win it. And then he would immediately go back to the bench and the devils would change um, McLeod for someone else because they, they trusted him so much to win those faceoffs, and he won a lot more than he lost. And so it's big to get McLeod back. It's big to get Nathan Bastion back for that physicality. Obviously, the Devils are still, you know, at times lacking that a little bit, but you know that Nathan Bastion brings that physicality. You know he brings that energy. And the chemistry between these two, not just here in the NHL, but dating all the way back to when they were juniors. I mean, they were drafted in the same draft class, same team. They've been through it all together. And so for them to to find a way to come back to New Jersey and play at least another year together, I'm sure is great um, for the both of them. So they are both Resigned in terms of Jesper Boquist, it was made certain that Jesper Boquist would not be returning to the New Jersey Devils. He is currently still a free agent. I don't know if the Devils are still maybe considering him, but it seems very unlikely that uh, Jesper Boquist will be back. So, um, you know, shout out to Jesper Boquist on Instagram. Um, again, another great guy. 
Uh, definitely going to try to get him on the podcast soon so we can chat it up. I know he's obviously, you know, devastated that uh, Boquist will, will not be back, but hopefully he will continue to stay here. Uh, talk about Broquist and uh, continue to support this team and give us the great content that he does. But yeah, obviously Boquist, at one time he was our, you know, top prospect. That's how far we've come at one point. And uh, I think over the last year and change, uh, he really established a role on this team. And I think he did it very well. But at the end of the day, the Devils had opportunities to upgrade their team. And uh, with, with some young guys coming in with some high potential, you know, it's just tough to uh, find a spot for everybody on the team. So wish Jesper Boquist nothing but the best, and we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. But two-thirds of the BMW line are back as both Nathan Bastion and Michael McLeod re-sign to New Jersey Devils. Again, Bastion, two years, $2.7 million. And Michael McLeod, one year, $1.4 million. So excited to have both of them back as they continue to try to help this team achieve the ultimate goal, which is to win the Stanley Cup. Now, the Devils continue to be relatively active in the early hours of free agency back on July 1st. You know, they re-signed um, Bastion and McLeod, but then they also made a trade. They made a trade for a depth defenseman. Back on July 1st, the Devils traded for defenseman Colin Miller. Uh, from the Dallas Stars in exchange for a 2025 fifth-round pick. And in 79 games this past year with the Stars, Miller had six goals and 21 points. He also ranked second on the Stars in block shots with 108. And he was also, fun fact, selected in the 2017 Vegas Golden Knights expansion draft and had a tremendous year with the Golden Knights, having 10 goals and 41 points. And was also teammates and now reunited with his former teammate, Eric Halla, as now Miller comes over to New Jersey. Now, to give you a little bit more of an idea as to who Miller is, he has 466 career NHL games uh, to his name. So there's a chance that he could be playing in his 500 game while being a part of this Devils team. He has played eight seasons, so this year will be his ninth season in the NHL. He has 35 goals and 122 assists in his NHL career. He also has a really good amount of playoff experience. He's played in 40 games in the Stanley Cup playoffs with four goals and 12 points. He is currently 30 years of age, so still pretty much in what you would consider in some degrees the prime or getting close to maybe the end of his prime of his career, but still in his prime. A two-way defenseman, really, really good, especially in transition. And uh, his contract is very, very cheap and very reasonable. One year left on his deal, $1.85 million. And so the question then becomes, what does this mean for Simone Nemetz? Because now with Colin Miller coming into the fold and with losing guys like Damon Severson and Ryan Graves and obviously Luke Hughes now coming into the lineup uh, full-time next season, you know, you start to wonder, do the Devils feel comfortable enough to have more inexperienced guys on the back end? Well. Basically, what Miller becomes is he becomes a security blanket for Simone Nemetz, meaning that if he is not doing well early on and needs some time to watch from the stands, or if the Devils decide to send him back down to Utica for more development, they obviously have a veteran defenseman with a ton of experience. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of competition between Miller and Brendan Smith and also Simone Nemetz for that sixth slash seventh uh, defensive spot. Brendan Smith also has one year left on his deal, on the two-year deal he signed last summer. So really, this is more of a security blanket. I actually think it's a pretty solid move. He brings some experience, which again is something we need. We lost a lot of men uh, games in terms of players, you know, losing how many experiences, I think nearly a thousand games we've lost um, in terms of experience from our roster this year. So for... For Miller to come in with the experience he has, not just in the regular season, but also what he's able to accomplish in the playoffs, I think goes a long way. So, yeah, Devils obviously make a, you know, a lot of people consider a minor trade, but I think it's going to be um, a valuable one nonetheless. As the Devils acquired defenseman uh, Colin Miller from the Dallas Stars in exchange for a 2025 fifth-round pick. So welcome to the New Jersey Devils in the Garden State, Colin Miller. The Devils continued to be active on the first day of free agency, and they did indeed acquire a goaltender, but it's not the one you're thinking of. 
Uh, also on July 1st, the Devils signed goalie Eric Kalgren to a one-year, two-way contract worth $775,000 at the NHL level and $450,000 at the American Hockey League level for this upcoming 23-24 season. So the Devils, you knew that there was a very good chance that they were going to go after a goaltender. Uh, especially with the news about Nico Dawes being out until at least Christmas time. Um, you know, you knew that there was going to, the the, the Devils were going to have to look for somebody to kind of hold the reins uh, down in Utica. And look, it's still possible that Akira Schmidt could end up starting the season down in Utica and continue to develop more. Um, the Devils could obviously swing for a big goalie trade. Uh, with the likes of a Connor Hellebuck or UC Saros or John Gibson or whatever case may be. But getting a guy like Colgren just brings in a guy who has some experience, not just at the AHL level, but also at the NHL level. He's still relatively young at 26 years of age, and uh, he's coming off spending uh, the last two seasons with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He has 11-6-5 record in the NHL since 2021-22. And last year, he appeared in 10 games with a record of 3-2-4 with a 2.67 goals against average and a .89 save percentage. And I know that obviously a lot of people look at it and say, what the point of that? Again, it's just to add more goalie depth to this team. Does it mean that now the Devils are officially done with looking at the goaltending position? I would say no. I think that they are consistently doing their due diligence with any goaltender out there that may become available. I mean, we've heard for weeks now about the devil's interest in Connor Hellebuck. You know, we've heard that Tom Fitzgerald might be talking to the Boston Bruins about one of Jeremy Swayman or Linus Olmark if they do become available. And I think that Tom Fitzgerald, I mean, he said it many times before about he's still confident in the tandem of Vitek Vanacek and Akira Schmidt. But if there's an opportunity to upgrade the goaltending position and it's not going to really hurt this team, Tom Fitzgerald is going to do it. I've said it before. He's going to do what's best for the Devils organization. And again, it's not just about the now. It's about looking long term as to what it is. So that's the way that we have to look at it. So bringing a guy like Holgren, he's a guy that we're probably going to see a lot more in the AHL. But, you know, if injuries become, you know, a, a problem, you know, Colgren could come in. He has some NHL experience. And who knows? With the, the the depth that we have on the defensive core and everything and with the offensive firepower we have, he may be able to really help us, you know, obviously um, win some games while we have some other guys that might be banged up. So, yeah, obviously very curious to see what he can bring to this team as well. So the Devils do add some goalie depth as, again, they do sign goaltender Eric Colgren to a one-year, two-way contract. So we shall see what uh, he can bring to this New Jersey Devils team. Now, also in the first day of free agency, we all knew months ago that not everybody on this team was going to come back. We knew that there were going to be some relatively prominent guys that were going to end up going out on the market. Damon Severson way, way before free agency, you know, he was obviously out the door in that sign and trade. We knew some other guys were going to be gone. And the two main guys that really stand out other than obviously Mackenzie Blackwood being traded to San Jose um, was both Ryan Graves and Miles Wood each moved on to new teams. Ryan Graves stays in the Metropolitan Division as he signed a six-year, $27 million deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So the Penguins are continuing to try to keep competitive and obviously continue to make runs while the likes of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are there. Also, Andreas Johnson ends up going to Pittsburgh as well. There is still a lot of that Devils and Penguins connection with guys going back and forth between New Jersey and Pittsburgh. Um, but it's kind of sad with Gravy because if any of you know, um, you know that Ryan Graves fan page is very well known in the Twitter and Instagram community. I had a chance to interview him here on the podcast uh, early on when Graves was first acquired from Colorado and brought to New Jersey. And, uh, you know, he, he's a great guy. Um, you know, he, his editing, his designs have gotten better and better every single year. Um, and seeing how much content he put out, 
I was really happy for him. And it's sad that, uh, you know, it kind of ended so quickly. It was only two seasons and obviously Gravy ends up going on to a new team. But I do wish Ryan Graves and Ryan Graves fan page nothing but the best. And I do say this all the time and I use the hashtag all the time, especially when guys make an impact. It's, you know, once a devil, always a devil. And so we appreciate what Gravy was able to do in helping this team take it to the next level and get into the playoffs and everything. And uh, we appreciate Ryan Graves' fan page for doing an outstanding job, you know, showing much love to Ryan Graves. And, uh, you know, we wish him nothing but the best in Pittsburgh, but obviously not when he takes on the New Jersey Devils. So, yeah, Ryan Graves, six-year deal, $27 million. So he goes on from the Devils and signs with the Penguins. And then the other one, uh, which this now makes uh, Nico Heischer and Jesper Bratt now the longest-tenured Devils, um, Miles Wood, who again – you had a pretty good feeling that he was probably not going to come back. And that ended up being the case because also on the first day of free agency, he signed a six-year deal at $15 million with the Colorado Avalanche. So Miles Wood gets a long-term deal. And I mean, you look at it and you say it, it could be a surprise because of the term. But when you look at the money, $15 million, you can understand how it's really it's really not a major gamble. And Miles Wood obviously brings that speed and physicality, something that the Avalanche uh, really do like in terms of their players. And they want an opportunity to get a little bit younger and to try to get back to a level that they can go win a Stanley Cup. You know, you'll look at la- you know the year before they win the Stanley Cup. This year, they're the number one seed going into the Western Conference playoffs, and they get upset by the Seattle Kraken. Um, and obviously, they need to retool. And Miles Wood is one of those guys that can um, certainly help them with that. So we're not going to see Miles Wood as much as we will see with Ryan Graves, but we'll see him uh, twice. And uh, we will, uh, I'm sure it'll be a warm welcome for him once he makes his return uh, to the Prudential Center. I know the Devils also made a post, a thank you post to uh, Miles Wood, which I thought was very classy of the Devils. Um, but yeah, now Miles Wood, a guy who has been here for a long time is now on his way across the country to Denver, Colorado, um, as he will spend good majority of probably the rest of his career, six years is a lot of years, um, playing um, in uh, in Colorado. So thank you so much to Ryan Graves uh, for everything that he did, his speed, his physicality, his energy, his smile, um, all that stuff, you know, was great. It's unfortunate that injuries and uh, inconsistency really kind of hampered him at the end of his time in, in New Jersey, but nonetheless made a lot of great impacts. And uh, obviously the BMW line is no more. It's, we only have two thirds of it left, but still we do appreciate Miles um, Wood and Ryan Graves for what they were able to do in the last couple of years here in New Jersey. So Devils lose Ryan Graves and Miles Wood to free agency, both signing six-year deals with the Penguins and Avalanche respectively. So yes, this will be, a new look Devils team for certain once training camp gets underway. So now let's shift to the Devils draft recap. I know I'm going a little bit out of order in terms of chronological, you know, and timing and everything, but I wanted to get the more, you know, break, not breaking news, the more like um, more main point uh, items out of the way first. So let's talk about the draft. So the Devils had a couple of picks that they made. The biggest thing that I want to say right off the bat is back in the seventh round of this draft when Tom Fitzgerald, who played for uh, Dave Poyle, uh, who is who was the only president slash GM of this Nashville Predators team up until this past year, uh, up until this upcoming year with Barry Trotz now at the helm, um, Poyle was able to make one more trade and one more draft pick before he is officially uh, retired, and that is courtesy of Tommy Fitz. Um, he traded the seventh-round pick, I think, for a late-round pick next season. Um, I think that was very classy by Tommy Fitz. I mean, it just shows you the type of person that Fitzgerald is. And uh, congratulations to Poyle on a phenomenal career, bringing, making Nashville a hockey town. I think when you look at what they built since he got there and what they've become, they've become a great place to play hockey with a passionate fan base. A loyal fan base, and uh, Poyle has a lot to do with that. And so, uh, wish him nothing but the best in retirement. And uh, again, shout out to Tommy Fitz for doing that. Um, but 
the Devils did make some picks, and obviously they didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, that pick belonged to uh, the San Jose Sharks, who drafted Musty with that pick. Really good pick, by the way, by San Jose. Um, but the Devils did make some picks, and I got these um, evaluations of the players that the Devils drafted from the NJ.com article that Ryan Novozinski wrote uh, last week. And so I'm just going to read it off to you guys to give you guys an idea as to who these guys are as the 2023 Devils uh, draft class. I also did speak to a fan page of a team that one of the Devils draft picks uh, plays for and also uh, definitely gave me a lot of excitement. And it involves the first Devil that was drafted or the first player that was drafted by the Devils. Back in the second round, 58th overall, the Devils selected Ford Lenny Haminaho, excuse me, and uh, they selected him. He's right winger, a high IQ finish forward with decent upside as a 200-foot player. Haminaho, great name, by the way. I, I think that uh, the Devils always have to have at least one guy with a sick last name. I mean, we did have Mukamadulin, but now he's off to San Jose. So now we got Haminaho. Uh, he's 18 years of age. He logged 21 points, 9 goals, and 12 assists in 51 games for Porn Asat. I hope I said that right. Uh, of the Finnish Liga this past season. Elite Prospects praises Haminaho for his intelligence and ability away from the puck at both ends of the ice. While he's not a flashy scorer, Haminaho excels with small details, establishing himself in the slot, forechecking, playing along the boards, but some scouts think he can, quote, plateau very soon, end quote. A safe choice, but with Riley Height still on the board, maybe not the most exciting. And the thing I always say about this is that while obviously we always say, oh, we want to drop this guy or this guy, and obviously Riley was there, the reality is, is that everybody's everybody's draft board is different. And everybody looks at it not just as, you know, who they think the best player on the board is, but what players fit to, you know, what they're all about. And I think that that's kind of what you saw from this type of uh, from this selection, and I think I think long term you're gonna you, I, I think we're gonna you know see what this guy's all about. Now I did mention before that I got some insight when it came to um, Haminaho, and I got it from a Instagram page called Did a Sight Win, and uh, you know this guy was very excited. He's told me that Haminaho at 58 is a steal. And he said this, and I'll read to you exactly what he said in direct message to me. He said, quote, I saw 30 regular season games and four playoff games live, and I must say, Haminaho was amazing. He could score, but he could also generate good scoring chances for his teammates. His stick handling is also on the next level. He broke into our roster in his debut season, and he scored an amazing 21 points in 51 regular season games. That's really good for an 18-year-old. He also scored four points in eight playoff games. He was a machine. He's also an extremely smart player. One big plus is that Haminaho is dedicated to becoming a star. He moved with both of his parents and his brother to Pori so he can play in the under-16 with a site, which is one of the best junior organizations in Finland. Haminaho also managed to win the under-18 uh, league's best player award in 2020-2021 season with Esetikin, the Esetikinen Award. Um, and... It really is kind of uh, exciting. Also, should mention that a site is the Finnish team that Eric Halla played for. And people forget that Eric Halla's Finnish. Even I forgot that for a while. But uh, that's really what it's all about. Um, more things about Haminaho. Has to improve his skating a lot, and he tends to lose battles for the puck often. And uh, so I appreciate it. Again, did underscore Asat underscore win on Instagram. Make sure you go follow him, he will actually be able to give us some information about Haminaho once he goes back and plays. So there's a little bit more insight from somebody who's a fan of that team and has obviously seen him play. And that is who the Devils selected in their first pick in the second round, uh, 58th overall, Lenny Haminaho. And then you go to the fourth round, 122nd overall. I think this is the pick that most Devils fans like the most. And that is forward Cam Squires. Cam Squires is trending upward. The 18-year-old forward selected by the Devils with the 122nd pick Thursday nearly doubled his Quebec Major Junior Hockey League point total this season, 64, compared to last year when he only had 34. Squires is a quick shot, though he could stand to gain more power on it, high hockey IQ, and is a playmaker in transition. If he improves his skating skills and awareness in the back end, 
he can end up being a solid fourth rounder. So again, another guy that just creates depth. And I think a lot of people consider him to be a guy that was selected a lot later than he should have. I think a lot of people saw him as a as a third rounder or even close to a second rounder. And I do want to shout out Daniel Amoya, Devils.Report on Instagram. You know him. You love him. He now currently, he's just became a writer for the hockey writers covering the New Jersey Devils. So congratulations to my boy, Daniel. He's written a couple articles, including one about Cam Squires. And I really, and I think you really want to check that out. I think you really do because I think it gives you a really good idea as to how, about the potential that Squires has to become very good long-term. So again, another guy that you look at could be a long-term guy that can come out of nowhere. So Cam Squires, 122nd overall in the fourth round, is the Devils' second pick in this in this year's draft. Then you go to round five, 154th overall. Devils went with a defenseman, a right-shooting defenseman, Chase Cheslock. A scouting report from MN, MNLakersHockey.com described right-shot defenseman prospect Chase Cheslock as a combination of, quote, Zidane Chara, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, and Brad Marchand, end quote. That's that's a comparison and a half. Well, he certainly won't live up to that kind of hype, there is reason to be optimistic about Cheslock. Good skater with high motor and defensive awareness. His offensive zone skills need work, but the rink live thinks he could develop into a shutdown defender. Always good to add right-handed depth too. You already know Tommy Fitz, especially when you look at where the defensive core was when he started as the GM to where it is now. You know that he loves the opportunity to, you know, draft some long-term, you know, really high upside defensemen to continue to have that depth uh, long-term. And so this is a guy that the Devils seemed very excited to um, to get. The Devils scouting staff talked about. They were thrilled that Cheslock was available when he was there. So Devils select in the fifth round, 154th overall, defenseman Chase Cheslock. Round 660. Fourth overall, the Devils selected forward Cole Brown. Another pick, another high IQ player to the Devils. Cole Brown logged 42 points, 17 goals, and 25 assists for the Hamilton Bulldogs of the Ontario Hockey League this season. The 18-year-old winger is a cerebral player with a good shot and strength in the offensive zone. Sports Illustrated believes his, quote, exceptional, end quote, hockey IQ will bode well for his development path. You're noticing a trend. The trend in this draft was the Devils went for guys with high hockey IQ. Maybe not the best player on the board at the time, but the guys that are considered to have the highest hockey IQ. Because I think with the Devils, the way Tom Fitzgerald is all about, he wants guys that are smart, both off and certainly on the ice, who know what's going on at all times and are willing to put in the work to use their high hockey IQ to make their skill overall that much better and they make them better and you know make them an overall better player. And so that's who the Devils took again round 6 164th overall forward Cole Brown. Now we didn't know this at the time but this would be the last selection for the Devils in the 2023 NHL entry draft. Same round round 686th overall the Devils selected another Russian defenseman Daniil Karpovich. Top-down hockey analyst Patrick Pacone or Bacon had Daniel Karpovich as the 36th, 36th ranked prospect. The Devils got him at pick 186. I think that's, if that is the case, I mean, that is tremendous work by the Devils uh, scouting staff. According to the athletic, Karpovich or Karpovich is a, quote, big heavy, hard-shooting, physical defenseman, end quote, who could thrive with a proper development plan. Now, Devils do a very good job in terms of development plans with guys in the past. So this, I think this is a great fit for Karpovich. The Belarusian left-shot D-man recorded 35 points in 47 games in the MHL, which is the minor league uh, of the KHL in Russia this past season. So again, another long-term guy with high hockey IQ that developed correctly could be very, very good at the NHL level in the next couple of years. So overall, you know, the draft is a crapshoot. You look at these guys and you look at their potential and all you could do is just wait and say, um, I just, I, I think I will say this. I like the direction of going with guys with high hockey IQ. I think it's important to be as 
smart as possible in terms of the sport you are playing. And I think that that's what uh, the Devils did. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is your 2023 NHL draft class for your New Jersey Devils. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the Hockey Podcast Network. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinem.org. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Kansas, call 8-1800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50, 10 plus leg required for one 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.com, draftkings.com, slash baseball terms. So now let's talk about the Utica Comets a little bit. Obviously, things have been quiet with both the Comets and Thunder since the season ended, but Assistant General Manager and General Manager of the Utica Comets, Dan McKinnon, has been just as busy as Tom Fitzgerald with building and obviously structuring the roster of the Utica Comets. And he did this by signing two players with familiar last names. Last Thursday, the Utica Comets New Jersey AHL affiliate announced a two-way AHL contract with goaltender Jeremy Brodeur. And if that last name sounds familiar to you, it's because it is. Jeremy is the 26-year-old son of legendary goaltender and current Devils front office man, Martin Brodeur. So once again, another Brodeur is a part of the Devils organization. Jeremy is from Essex Falls and spent most of last season with the South Carolina Stingrays of the East of the ECHL and the Manchester Storm of the EIHL in the United Kingdom. So there's a fun fact for you. If you want to know that if there's a hockey league in um, England, there is the EIHL. The six-foot goalie has four AHL games under his belt with a 2.98 goals against average and a 0.922 save percentage. And he played for the, at the time, Binghamton Devils when they were playing that one season at the Devils practice arena due to the whole COVID situation, the RWJ Barnabas Health uh, practice rank. So he played a couple of games. So he's been a part of the Devils organization before, and now he gets to be a part of it Again, in 99 ECHL games in five seasons, Jeremy logged a 3.34 goals against average with a .917 save percentage. He has also had prospect camp stints with the Columbus Blue Jackets, Dallas Stars, New York and New York Rangers, among others. He won an Ontario Hockey League Championship and Memorial Cup with the Oshawa Generals back in 2015 and received the Goaltender of the Week nod by the ECHL back in the 2021-22 season when he was playing with the Maine Mariners. So this is a guy that obviously he is going to uh, be a guy that adds some more goaltending depth down in the minor leagues. Now, again, this could very well mean that the Devils are not necessarily looking in terms of you know, goaltending in, you know, in terms of uh, that, I think a lot of people look at Jeremy Brodeur coming in with obviously Colgren as well and saying, okay, this probably means that Akira Schmidt is definitely staying um, with the Devils this upcoming season, along with Vitek Vanacek. That could very well be the case. We don't know. And we still have yet to hear from Tom Fitzgerald. It has been over a week since the first day of free agency 
And usually after free agency and doing all these trades is kind of over, you get a chance to talk to the GM. Well, we haven't heard from him. There's a chance we're going to hear from him this week, especially with the development camp going on. Um, a lot of the people are speculating that it's because the Devils are not done. And they very well could not, they very well might not be done. We have to see. But going back to Jeremy Broder, bringing in obviously somebody who has played a little bit in the Devils organization, obviously is the son of the greatest Devil of all time. Um, and we'll see what he can uh, contribute to, you know, specifically the uh, Utica Comets. And the other guy that is reportedly being signed is a very well-known last name, Fitzgerald. In addition to the Broder signing, a league source also told NJ Advanced Media that the Comets are expected to sign forward Ryan Fitzgerald, the son of Devils GM Tom Fitzgerald. The deal, which is set to be announced this upcoming week, so at some time they're going to announce it, is a one-way AHL contract. So there is no way in terms of Fitzgerald, you know, with his contract, be able to go up to the Devils unless he signs an NHL contract. With Jeremy Brodeur, that's different. He could come up to the NHL. Uh, Ryan, who is 28, has 126 points in 240 career AHL games. He played for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, the Philadelphia Flyers AHL affiliate, this past year, 22-23, where he logged one goal and one assist in 13 games. He has another son as well, who is currently playing for the Florida Panthers. Um, but yeah, there you go. So some family is now going to be a part of the Devils organization. And again, we will see what uh, Ryan Fitzgerald can do for the Utica Comets. So the Devils signing some players with very well-known last names. And uh, we'll see what happens once they uh, get on the ice. Now, the second to last thing I wanted to talk about here is some Devils rumors. You know that I'm a big rumor guy. I'm a guy that very much is always interested in reading about rumors that involve, obviously, the New Jersey Devils. And there are two. And neither one of these is uh, um, names that we've heard before. These are relatively new names that have been brought up. The first one is somebody that was rumored to be a team that maybe um, this guy would t- would um, eliminate his no-trade clause to, who actually ended up crying his way to the New York Rangers, and that is Patrick Kane. According to Dan Rose of NHL.com's mailbag, Patrick Kane's primary focus at the moment is rehabilitating his hip. Now, he did have off-season surgery, and it is projected that he may not be available to play and be fully healthy until somewhere in December. So whoever signs Patrick Kane, if he indeed does play this upcoming season, you're not going to see number 88 for the first couple of months of the season. However, when the time comes for him to sign a contract for the upcoming year, it is believed that the New York Rangers, Buffalo Sabres, and New Jersey Devils will be among the teams expressing interest in acquiring him. Rosa predicts that he will ultimately choose to sign with his hometown team, the Buffalo Sabres, which is also what I would like to see him do, especially at this point in his career. He's getting close to the end of his time in the NHL, and I think it would be good for him to have a swan song and you know, send off by playing for his quote-unquote hometown team. He's from Rochester, New York, but you know that's near Buffalo, uh, and get a chance to play for the Sabres and, and obviously be on a young team that is going to be poised to make the playoffs this year and you know is going to be a team that could be competing for a cup for a long time. And it could be a fun situation for Patrick Kane to stay in the state of New York but move up to uh, up to Western New York. So, you know, speaking in, and so in terms of the Devils, because obviously that's what we're here to talk about, there really isn't a spot for him in terms of what the type of player he is, because Patrick Kane, I'm sure to most people, is still considered to be a top six forward when he's healthy. When you look at the Devils, our top six is pretty much set. If you're looking to sign Patrick Kane, a couple of things have to kind of happen here. Number one, he would have to, A, have interest in signing with the Devils, right? That's number one. Number two, there would have to be a spot for him, which right now, technically, there is a roster spot. The Devils have just a little under $5 million in cap space. They could do this. I doubt that they do it now, but they could do this. Um, So... They could work out a contract and it would just depend on, you know, you know, obviously number, like I said, if they're a roster spot, 
So it's great. The next thing is, what is he looking for? Is he looking for a multi-year deal? Is he looking for a one-year deal to kind of prove it and try to maybe get another bigger contract the following season, which a lot of guys tend to do? Uh, I think that's what Vladimir Tarasenko is going to end up doing with uh, his new agents, um, you know, whenever he signs. Um, I think the other thing is this. Would Patrick Kane be willing to play in a bottom six role if that's the situation the Devils are in? I don't know if he would. Unless he wants to win another cup so badly that he's willing to do that and willing to sacrifice that, then okay. I could see it. When he went to the Rangers, it made a little bit more sense. They, they still could use him on the top, top six and he would make their top six better. With the Devils, I'm not saying he would make the top six better, but their top six is already established, right? You have Brett, you have Nico, you have Mercer, you have Toffoli, you have Hughes, you have Timo, you have a guy like Andre Pilat, who we all thought was going to be top six last year, who probably is going to play in the bottom six on, on the third line. Now, Patrick Kane is willing to do that as well, and that's great. So, you can see here, you know, there's a lot that has to go for it to make sense. Now, again, also injuries could be, could make this decision easier if one of our top six guys, God forbid, is out long term, then maybe a guy like Patrick Kane could help. Now, he's not the greatest in the defensive zone, and, uh, you know, obviously, he's he's been dealing with the hip for a while and injuries for a while, and so you're hoping that maybe with this surgery and, you know, his rehabilitation, that maybe he's able to get back to the level that he was at not too long ago. Um, so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. I think it's interesting that the Devils are interested. Um, it would be something to acquire somebody with, you know, you know, like Patrick Kane. But at this point, his career and situation, I think it's very unlikely. But you never know. Uh, speaking of the Devils, Rosen added to the team decides to make any moves. Their focus would likely be on sending the depth forward to bolster bottom six. Again, don't know how Patrick Kane fits that mold. Top six positions seem to be filled with Nico Heischer, Jack. Hughes, Timo Meyer, Andre Pilat, Jeffrey Pratt, Tyler DeFoley, Eric Holla, and Dawson Mercer. Um, also in there, Nate Basham, McLeod, Curtis Lazar have potential options the fourth line. However, there remains a gap that could be filled internally with guys like Nolan Foote, Alexander Holtz, or even Shane Bowers, who the Devils acquired from Boston uh, for uh, Riley Walsh. Or alternatively, the Devils could explore options outside the organization. I just think it's interesting that the Devils are even considered as an, uh, not even considered as an option. I think it's just interesting that the Devils are interested in him. I guess maybe because of who he is and what maybe he could do. And obviously a lot of people compare Jack Hughes to being the next Patrick Kane with the way he plays. Maybe Patrick Kane wouldn't mind playing the second coming of Patrick Kane uh, and everything. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. One possibility is bringing back Tomas Tatar, who is still a free agent. Uh, another option is to leave the spot open, potentially anticipating player like Kane. While there's no immediate obligation to take action, the team does have a salary cap flexibility to pursue potential moves if they choose to do so. I think regardless of where Kane goes, I think he ends up signing a one-year deal. So the Devils, even if they sign him, they're not going to sign him long-term. Like, he's going to be here for like a year. Maybe he's like a mid-season type thing if he's still available. Maybe the Devils, instead of acquiring somebody at the deadline, maybe they just sign him and try to bolster their, their top nine even more because Tom Fitzgerald because he said, I'm not talking about having a good top six. I'm talking about having a great top nine. That includes the first, second, and third line. So if somehow Patrick Kane is playing on the third line, um, you know, or even if you move Dawson Mercer to the third line and move Kane up to the top six, in terms of talent and what the, you know, the potential of it, you could really do some damage um, positively with getting a guy like Patrick Kane. So we'll see. We'll see if, if uh, the man they call Showtime wants to move across the Hudson River to the Rangers' uh, rival in the New Jersey Devils. But interesting rumor. And, uh, you know, it's that part of the offseason where not a lot's going on, and, you know, rumors are swirling. And speaking of rumors swirling, we have another goalie that we have to talk about that is that is that uh, that the Devils are being or trying to be matched with. It is speculated that the Anaheim Ducks may trade John Gibson. It is speculated as well that John Gibson has made it clear that he wants out. Although, he said publicly, or his agents said publicly, that that's not true. Uh, quote, there's a little uncertainty 
I'm not sure what's going to happen, end quote, Gibson told the Cam and Strick podcast, which, by the way, Cam is Cam Jansen, former New Jersey Devil. In an interview released last Tuesday, a day after his agent refuted a spicy report from Daily Face South Insider Frank Saravalli. Frank Saravalli is not making a lot of friends nowadays. Quote, whether I'm in Anaheim or somewhere else, end quote, Gibson added on the podcast, quote, I'm just worried about being ready to play. I want to have a good year, end quote. Now, let me just say this up front. Although John Gibson has had some good years, some really good years, and, you know, he's played on some pretty bad Anaheim Ducks teams. I, I don't think this is the right goalie move to make. Although he has term, he has several years left on his deal. It's a relatively high AAV. And do the and with that high AV and, and the amount of term left on it, the Devils would be forced to probably give up more for, for John Gibson, which is something that I don't think Tom Petrol is going to do. Here's the bad news. Gibson is Fresh off the worst season of his career. Uh, um, he has a history of injuries. He's turning 30 this upcoming Friday. And again, he has a cap hit of $6.4 million. Which, right away, that's more than what the Devils have in salary cap. So, either the Devils would have to move a contract or two they have on the roster right now to make up that money, or the Ducks would have to retain salary, which I don't think the Ducks are going to do. Um, Cap it's through 2026-2027. But it also includes a 10-team no-trade clause. We don't know if the Devils are one of those teams. If the Devils are one of those teams, this is just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Right? Plain and simple. So, you know, John Gibson, I think two or three years ago, I would be more ecstatic to try to acquire. I don't think it's the right move. I know that people think the Devils should get in on him. He has more team control. We know that's something that Tom Petro really likes. But, it, but when you look at you know, obviously you look at what Kira Schmidt could do long-term long for this team. You don't want to necessarily go after guys that may stunt his growth. Now, we've talked about Connor Hellbuck in the past. And again, I've said before, and Alex Chauvinci kind of nailed it on the head, that having Hellbuck as a rental is probably a better option if you want to upgrade the goaltending than John Gibson. Because with Hellbuck, if you're just getting him as a rental, even if it's in the midway point of the season, you are getting it for the rest of the year. You won't have to give up as much, especially if it's at the deadline. You're not going to give up a ton of the deadline. Nobody ever does. And you get one of the top five goaltenders and a finalist for the Vezina Trophy this past year, and a former Vezina Trophy winner, um, on your roster with a chance to go make a run in the Stanley Cup. And if it doesn't work out and you can't re-sign him, maybe you do a sign and trade or or anything like that, but at the same time, it's just one year, and Akira Schmidt doesn't lose a lot of ground in terms of development. He can still be the backup, or they send him down to Unicorn and he's playing, whatever. And again, uh, Akira Schmidt has a lot of team control for the next couple of years without having to go through waivers. So that's an advantage. That's something that the Devils, I'm sure that's one of the things they're keeping in mind when they're thinking about upgrading their goaltending position if they want to do that. With Gibson, you're stuck with him. 6.4 million, you're stuck with him for several years. And you're going to eventually, like I said, again, before you have to eventually pay Luke Hughes and Dawson Mercer and some of the Mets and other guys. Eventually, Kira Schmidt as well. These are the things. And you don't, don't really know, especially with the injuries and the age. Um, although, again, you know, Pelobach is also 30. But again, with the history of injuries and also the stats, which, again, I know doesn't always do, doesn't paint the whole picture, it seems like a much bigger gamble than going after someone like Hellebuck or Ian. Than UC Soros. Um, so I don't see it happening. Just want to mention it that people have, you know, said, no, you know, be a good fit for New Jersey. I don't personally see it, but, you know, again, there's another rumor to drop out there, and uh, we'll continue to keep our eye on all these rumors as the offseason goes along. Now, lastly, here is uh, this episode is well over an hour, but again, this is me catching up with everything that has gone on. This is the last time we spoke. Uh, the last thing here is to quickly preview the Devils 2023 development camp, which is going to be held between the day you're listening to this, July 10th, Monday, July 10th, to July 14th. It's going to be this entire upcoming week. Um, they'll be holding their annual prospects development camp at the RW 
Jay Barnabas Health Hockey House at the Prudential Center with two sessions open to Black and Red Season ticket members. So if you get the chance to go, I highly recommend to go. I went with uh, Devil Central, Devil's Central uh, NJ last year, and we had a really fun time. I really it was my first experience doing going to a prospects tournament, uh, um, prospects camp. A lot of fun. Got a chance to meet some guys like you know Alexander Holes and Simone Metz. Very very cool. So I highly recommend if you get the opportunity to go, you do. Wednesday, July twelfth, will feature a three on three competition at five thirty p.m. with an autograph session to follow. And then on Friday, July 14th, we'll feature a Team Red versus Team White scrimmage at 10 a.m. And Friday scrimmage will be live streamed on the Devil's official website. Now, the roster has yet to be announced. I expect in the early hours of Monday, we'll get a list. Because as of this recording, we still haven't gotten anything. And I'm kind of curious as to why that is, but it's neither here nor there. So. It'll be interesting to see what type of guys. I'm sure we'll maybe see some of the guys that was drafted, some other guys um, that we've seen before. We'll go from there. So this is kind of like that first kind of you know sign that Devils hockey is starting to come back. The 2023-24 season is kind of getting underway. Uh, you know, obviously, it's been a while since you know, May since the last time we saw anybody wearing a Devils sweater playing hockey. But now we get to see the future of this Devils team, so, and uh, we'll see who stands out, and we'll have all the coverage that you could possibly ask for throughout this whole week. And again, make sure to check out Devils State of My Podcast, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify while you're there. really does help. Follow us on Twitter at Devil State, Instagram at Devil State of Mind, and also give us a like on Facebook as well. So, yeah, that is your hour-plus-long uh, recap of everything that you may have missed uh, in Devil's World as we continue now as we move into the month of July as we get uh, further down here into this offseason we'll see what other things the Devils have cooking for us in these next couple of months